We're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2, and I'm going to read just verses 13 through to the end of verse 17. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 to 17. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. I just want to share a few thoughts from these verses this evening. As I read them and went through them during the week, there were a number of things that I just began to see in those verses, which I want to link with the theme or the word of salvation. And so there are five things that we'll just look at briefly this evening. I could almost spend one sermon on each one of them, but I'm going to condense them all together. And they are salvation and the spirit, salvation and sanctification, salvation and truth, salvation and steadfastness, and then salvation and blessings. When we stop to think of the whole work of salvation, and I meant to bring the book up with the song we started with, um, 366. When we think of the work of salvation, it's a tremendous miracle, isn't it? An absolute tremendous miracle. That one verse there says, pouring his grace on our lives day by day. To me, that just amazes me. The grace that saved us is the grace that keeps us. And it's the same grace that God is just pouring into our hearts and onto our lives day after day. The whole work of redemption is just a tremendous miracle. The fact that one dying on a cross in our place and rising from the dead on the third place is able to save us for eternity. It's incredible. And linked in with that, I often mention with not just his dying and his resurrection is the wonder of his virgin birth and of his sinless life, enabling the man Jesus to become the sinless sacrifice, the lamb without spot and without blemish. Such, when we stop to think about it, was the detail that God actually put into the whole plan to be able to save us so that we tonight can say that we are redeemed. And I love the words of that one song that says, I'm redeemed, yes I am, by the blood of the Lamb. And that's what we are this evening. We're redeemed 
because of the blood of the Lamb. And then there's the older hymn that says, I am redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, his child, and forever I am. And when I just think of this whole subject of redemption, that we've got a hope that is steadfast and certain, he's gone through the curtain, touching the throne. We have a priest who is there interceding, pouring his grace in our lives day by day. I can just, at the end of it all, I just have to say today, this evening, I am so glad that Christ has saved me. And I can say that I am a child of God. But coming to these verses that are my text this evening, we see that we are not just saved and that is it. But salvation is something that is a continuing process in our lives. We have been saved. And that took place <coughs> the moment that we made that first commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever it may have been. For some of us, it might have just been as we were sat at the front pew in a church. For some, it might have been in an open air. For some, and I know that this was the situation for Cameron, it was while he was sat in the back of a car chatting to me on one Good Friday evening. For others, it might have been in a football stadium when some crusade took place. It doesn't matter where it was. At some point, if we're redeemed of the Lord, we have been saved because we made that first initial commitment to give our lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. But thankfully, we've not just been saved, but we are continually being saved. Because that same grace, as I've said, that saved us is the same grace that is keeping us. And we will be saved when that final moment comes, when we pass from this life into eternity. But I'm just going to put a little bit of a, I don't know, a little footnote there, which we'll touch on later on. I believe there's something that's important on our part as well. We've been saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved through the countless ages of eternity. But I believe it's not just subject to God's grace, but it's subject to my keeping to his grace. And we'll touch on that later. So the first thought from these verses is salvation and the Spirit. It was to Nicodemus that Jesus said, as he came to him by night and just tried to inquire a little bit more, and he made some statements, and then Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's John chapter 3 and verse 5. And then following on from that in the conversation, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from, and you don't know where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So firstly, besides all that Christ did and provided for us at Calvary, we need to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is also crucial and important in regards to the work of redemption. 
Because on another occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And that's John 16 and verses 7 to 11. So we see that not only is what Christ did at Calvary important, but so also is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves in the heart of the unbeliever to bring about conviction. And once the Holy Spirit has worked in the heart of the unbeliever, bringing about conviction, then we understand that the Holy Spirit moves further in the heart to bring the unbeliever to the place of belief and to the place of redemption. And it is the Holy Spirit who then brings about the work of regeneration. And then, as our text verses says, he applies to the believing heart the work of sanctification. And thus, we are born again by the Spirit of God. We become new creations. We are born the second time. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, the first time was the moment of our natural birth. When we were born of the flesh. And there's not one of us here this morning can remember when that actually happened. We were there, but we can't recall it. Because we just didn't have the intellect and the understanding. But we know that it happened because we're all here today. We were born at some point the first time. But the second time that Jesus talks about of being born again was when we were born of the Spirit. And I believe we should each know in our hearts if that has happened. We should all be able to point back to a moment in time when Jesus came along and touched us. And if we can't look back to a moment of time when our lives were changed and transformed because we were born again, we need to stop and we need to ponder afresh and come to the place of surrendering our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the spirit and salvation. But then salvation and sanctification. Again, this could be a whole subject and this is very brief tonight. Sanctification means to be made holy and to be set apart. And that is exactly what has happened or what takes place when we are born again. We are, at that moment, to use another Bible term, we are justified. That is, that we are made right before God. We are washed clean. We are given a brand new start. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit, not only to regenerate us, as I've already mentioned, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. And we need to constantly allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts for the ongoing work of sanctification. For the process, or the, the, not the process, the act of justification takes place just 
once. But we need to know an ongoing sanctification, an ongoing purification of our hearts and of our lives. And that is why we need in this area to know what it is to be led by and to be walking by and to be filled with the Spirit so that we can put off the desires of the old nature and put on that which is new from God to equip us to live as we should live in this unholy world around us. And I think, as I consider the subject of sanctification, that the doctrine of sanctification is probably one of the most neglected and therefore the most needed areas in which teaching and preaching needs to be given in the church today. And I'm talking of the church in general, in the wider sense. For from new birth, <coughs> from new birth, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is seeking, and if I could dare to put it this way, is having to work harder in believers' lives today than he should need to be working to bring people to a place of sanctification and to bring believers to the place of separation and holiness. Because too often, men and women who have tasted of the Lord seem to keep wanting to still keep tasting of that which they've been saved from. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to come and to do the work that he needs to do, that work of sanctification, to make us more like Christ, to make us what it is to be men and women who are putting off and putting on, we would not be wanting to keep tasting of that which we've been delivered from. Thirdly, salvation and truth. Again, this is a subject in itself, but I highlight from these verses that we have not only been saved because of what Christ has done and sanctified through the Spirit, but I'm going to suggest this evening, according to what the Scriptures are saying, we've also been saved because of what Christ has done and of our being sanctified through belief in the truth. And I'll clarify that a little bit further. It says there, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And when I look at the verse, I see it to be read this way. Sanctification by the Spirit and the sanctification is also through belief in the truth. And so I suggest that belief in the truth also links backwards to sanctification and our being saved. Because in John 17, when Jesus was praying what we call the high priestly prayer, he says there, sanctify them in the truth, for your word is truth. So there are multifaceted angles to sanctification. And the word of truth, that is the scriptures, have an important part to play in our salvation and in our sanctification. And so we're saved, and we're glad that we're saved. But we are saved because we have come to believe in the truth. 
And we are saved because the Holy Spirit has applied the truth to our hearts. And we are continually being saved because the same truth is at work in our hearts, sanctifying us and making us into the people that we should be. Therefore, for those of us who are the children of God, we should hold this book with high regard and guard it as it were with our lives because it's a living word, it's a powerful word that every day should have an impact upon us who have become part of the family of God. It is our daily bread and it nourishes us and at the same time it helps to keep us pure and healthy spiritually. Salvation and steadfastness. Well, this links back a little bit to what I was saying at the beginning about being saved, continually being saved, and we will be saved for eternity. But having said that, I want to make it clear this evening that I personally do not subscribe to the teaching of once saved, always saved. I cannot. The more I look into the word of God and I read the word of God, I cannot believe or accept once saved, always saved. Yes, I believe that Jesus has the power to keep me from falling. Scripture says that. But I also believe in my personal responsibility. I need to want to remain steadfast. I need to persevere. I need to run the race. I need to fight the good fight and I need to be willing to endure to the end. And so if I'm willing to remain steadfast, if I'm willing to persevere, if I'm willing to run the race, if I'm willing to fight the fight, if I'm willing to endure to the end, yes, the grace that saved me is the grace that will keep keeping me and will be the grace that will take me eventually into the eternal presence of God and Paul says here in these verses so then brothers and we know that when he says brothers he means the sisters as well so then brothers sisters stand firm he tells the believers you need to stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter and because Christ has died for our salvation and because the Spirit has caused us to be born again and sanctified us and continues to sanctify us and the word of truth has been implanted in our hearts, then we need to ensure that we do not throw it all away, but instead we stand firm, hold to the traditions which were given either through the spoken word or the letters that the apostles had written, which we now have as the word of God, which we can hold in our hands and we can read. And yes, the Christian life is a race. And I'm sure that each one of us would say that the Christian life is a battle. It requires commitment. It requires our involvement. We need to and we must count the cost and take up our cross and make a firm decision that is the world behind us and the cross or Christ before us. In Luke chapter 6 and verses 46 to 49, we have the record that Luke has of the words of which Jesus spoke 
as we see them in Matthew 7 at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And this is how Luke records it. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. See, being believers, having been born again, having come to accept Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, we need to keep going back. We need to make sure that we don't go back to the old ways because in doing so is a little bit like a builder having a mixer full of ready-mixed concrete and yet building his house without using it that's what Jesus is saying when you come to me build your lives upon what I've told you and Jesus has told us what those things are in his word it's like the ready mixed concrete it's there and yet so many believers choose not to take it and they stumble and they fall and I wonder how many have heard the word of God have the word of God and yet keep on living their lives without applying it. And Jesus says the ruin of such lives is going to be great. How sad that is. See we need to daily apply the word to our lives ensuring that when the storms of life do befall us and they will if they already haven't in whatever way they may come that we do not shake because the word of God has ensured us that we are well built and on a solid and firm foundation. And excuse the way that I'm putting it this evening. We need to keep going back to the supply of ready mixed concrete. We need to keep going back to it. The word of God. Well, my last thought is salvation and blessing. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Need I begin to remind us of the many blessings that come through being saved? Ian started to mention it earlier on. I'm coming to know Jesus. The blessings and the benefits of it all. Here in this portion of scripture, my text, it says we receive comfort. And I tell you, there's no better comfort than the comfort that God gives. We can comfort one another. We can try to help one another. And we do, I trust. But the comfort he gives surpasses it all. Because he's the God of all comforts. Then it talks of hope. I tell you, there's hope in this world that is not enduring hope. It can be gone in a moment. But the hope that he gives us is eternal hope. It's sure and it's steadfast. 
And this verse also talks of his grace, which I mentioned. He's pouring his grace in our lives and upon our lives day after day. And we can list so many blessings that are both temporal for this life, because he does bless us just for this life. But we can also thank him for the blessings he gives us, which are for all eternity. And great are the blessings that he pours out upon us day by day. And as Paul says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And you can follow through from Ephesians 1.3, the rest of the verses, and you begin to see the many blessings that Paul begins to highlight. And then in 1 Peter 1 verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And again Peter in that same chapter continues to name so many of the blessings. Listen. I can say this morning, this evening, I'm so glad that I'm saved. Why am I glad that I'm saved? I'm saved because my sin has been forgiven. I'm saved and so I know that my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I'm glad that I'm saved because of the many blessings. The many blessings, physical, material, spiritual, whatever they are, that God gives to us as his children. Because he's such a great and a wonderful heavenly Father, in the words of the hymn, I've tried to count his blessings. And I'm sure there are times when you've tried to count his blessing. And we can't really count them because there are more in number than the sun. And the line of the hymn goes on to say, and the end is not yet, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how many times he's blessed us. It doesn't matter how much of his grace he's poured into our hearts and into our lives. He's still got plenty more blessings for each one of us. He's still got plenty more grace to pour into our hearts and lives. There's a song we used to sing, like the cruise of oil unfailing. You know the story that goes back to the Old Testament. Go and get your vessels and fill them. And from that little pot of oil, she kept on pouring and she kept on pouring and she kept on pouring and they kept on bringing more vessels and even more vessels and they were all miraculously filled. Such is God's grace. Such is God's blessing on those of us that have come and we're born again by the Spirit of God. His blessings will never come to an end. The supply will never run dry. And he wants to keep on blessing us. He wants to keep on pouring his grace into our hearts and into our lives. But we need to put ourselves into that place. Just like those empty vessels need to be brought. We need to keep coming. We might have been filled yesterday. We might have been filled this morning. We might be filled again this evening. But tomorrow we want to bring ourselves again into the presence of God as empty vessels again. Because we want him to pour afresh into our hearts and to fill us afresh to live for each day that he grants us to live. What a God. What a wonderful salvation. I've only just touched on it just so very, very briefly. Each of those thoughts. But what a saviour. Oh, what a saviour that he died for me. Amen.